Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. My name is Brooke McCallery. And my name is Ben McCallery and welcome to episode 198. I am not going to mention how close it is to, <laughs> to episode 200 because Brooke told me not to. That is true. We're up to, well, the fourth of our Monday series. Yeah. In regards We've kind to of dipped into the book month. Yes, the book month. We've dipped into the slow book and kind of spoken through four really key ideas that I write about in the book that I think I'd love to share. I, I wanted to share with you because I think you guys are awesome. Yeah. And they're the, I guess the key pullouts of the book or the the key practical pieces that you wanted to highlight. Mm -hmm. And so for those playing at home, like I said last week, this is all about mindfulness. This week is about mindfulness, yep. This is the final one and there's a reason that I wanted to... Even though it's not the last chapter in the book, Correct. there's a reason why you wanted to talk about it in the final Monday. Yeah, because so. it's, it's the idea, I think, that really underpins everything, not just in mm. the book, but everything in living a slower, more intentional life. Mindfulness, like it's paying attention. And for me, all right, I'm going to read a passage and then talk about it. The random bird outside. I don't know if you guys can hear it. It's I think sounds it is a little a, bit like a chicken, but it's not. I think it's a pigeon. That's a very sick pigeon. Oh, yeah, that is a sick pigeon. Yeah, no, that's not. I don't know what it is. Anyway. Let's get into the show. Okay. So you're going to read us a passage I am. from chapter four, titled Mindfulness. Mindfulness. Everyone's tossing this buzzword around, lauding it as an incredible cure-all for stress and busyness, ill health and procrastination. We have apps and conferences, special coloring books, retreats, and constant reminders popping up on social media of just how mindfully others are living, which begs the question, if a woman meditated on the beach but didn't take a selfie, did it really happen? <laughs> For years, mindfulness was a big idea I wasn't nearly smart or evolved enough to understand, so I put it in the basket of woo that also held transcendental meditation, tarot reading and crystal bathing. It intimidated me, therefore it wasn't valid. The more I explored simplifying, though, the more I heard people espousing the benefits of living mindfully. But what did that mean? How could one live mindfully? What did it look like to live mindfully? To be a mindful person? I had no idea. What I did understand, however, was mindless living. And while I may not have been smart enough or enlightened enough to live mindfully, mindlessness and I were on a first-name basis. In fact, we'd been intimate for a long time. So for me, that realisation that mindfulness was simply the opposite of mindlessness was a big moment because I could deal with that. Mm. It just so what you're simply saying meant you, paying attention. Yeah, you you can you can address and see mindless. Is that the word? Mindlessness. Mindlessness, a lot easier than what you could see and understand what mindfulness was. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I was living mindlessly, yeah. had done for a long time, mm -hmm. and I didn't realize until I started thinking about mindfulness, and I realized that what I was doing was the exact opposite. 
uh, and I write about it a bit in the book, but there are great chunks of my life, particularly when I had the postnatal depression, but even before that, that I just don't remember. And I don't remember it because I wasn't paying attention. Mm. And when I realized that, that's all it is. That's scary. It absolutely is scary. And it was very confronting having to write about that and realize that there are periods that I just blank out on. Mm. Uh, And I know that it's confronting. And if you're listening and you're feeling confronted or challenged by it, I get it. It's Mm. okay. Allow yourself to feel confronted by that and then figure out what you're going to do moving forward. Mm. And for me, it wasn't so much about diving headfirst into meditation or any of these kind of mindful living solutions that we see marketed to us. I'm a big advocate for meditation, but that's not where I started. No. I just started by paying attention to the tiniest things. Yeah. It was actually my psychiatrist who just can't sing her praises enough. Mm. She introduced me to the idea of simply sitting when I was feeling overwhelmed. It's when I had two tiny little kids, newborn baby and a very little toddler, and just sitting for one minute and putting them in front of the TV, whatever it took to get that one minute and just breathe deeply and Mm. travel through each of my five senses. I love this. And it is absolutely the gateway to mindfulness. Mm. For me, it's so simple, so accessible. You can do it at any time. And it just takes or took me out of my head and into the present moment. Uh, And that's what I'd where I'd recommend you start mm. because from there I started to do things like pay attention to the birds when I was hanging out the clothes. I mean, something as mundane as hanging out the clothes slowly became this moment of mindfulness, same as washing up, same as any kind of bog standard daily. Playing with your kids. Yeah. And so I write about that as well, mm. but this, there was this one day where we played hide and seek and that was a big moment for me mm. because it it highlighted what I stood again to gain by paying attention. And there is so much to gain by paying attention and very little to lose. I, I mean, without but you're not you're not someone who practices traditional like, mindfulness practices, mm. are you? Like no. you don't meditate regularly or anything no. like that. I mean, you you're trying to find a way that works for you. But what do you do? to bring mindfulness to your day? You, you've highlighted a few of them and that's just to pay attention to the small things. Mm. So yeah, you're right. I don't meditate every day. I trialed it. I experimented with it. Wasn't, wasn't, your, wasn't your learning at that, style. At that time. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, and I remember you saying to me for the first time, it's paying attention mm. to the microscopic not even the small, the microscopic details. And right now I'm paying attention to like little dust particles yeah. on our blinds. And it's making me really calm. Yeah. And it's putting my head at ease. And I'd like to highlight really briefly a time where I experience mindlessness. Mm-hmm. And it was when we were planning for our first trip over to Canada. Mm-hmm. And I think this happens to a lot of people. It's like, I can't wait until <laughs> I go on holidays. Yeah. And so we'd planned this for more than a year, saving up, but everything in our lives was about the trip. And, you know, it was 
were working towards this trip and we saved a lot of money so a lot of things we had to say no to a lot of things because of that but I just remember that for that entire year I feel like I wasted it mm. because I wasn't mindful at all mm. yeah and I think that's that's a problem as well isn't it when you're kind of looking at destination mm. you know, when I get there I'll be happy yeah that it's such a cliche, but there, it's there's so much truth in it. The journey oh, so is much. the important thing, you know. Yeah. And in that year, I absolutely agree with you that when you you're too busy looking forward and living yeah. in the future, yeah, you you miss out on the present. And that's what I think a lot of people get caught up with is you say, "I can't wait until mm. I get I'll be married." Happy when. Or, I'll be happy when. Yeah. That, that's it. I'll be happy when I buy a car. Yep. I'll be happy when. You know, and we get there and it doesn't actually change a whole lot. Yeah. The goalposts just keep on moving. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing that I found really interesting recently is understanding that mindfulness has almost become a dirty word. Mm. A bit like the backlash against minimalism and... What, like an overused word or... Yeah. And look, when anything hits kind of trend, peak mm. trend, regardless of how, how beautiful the intention of it is... It gets kind of bastardized and labeled, and people want to to think that they understand it and it fits in a particular box. So now people are like mindfulness, uh, uh, you know, same as what people have been like with minimalism. You know, these really incredibly positive intentions at the core of an idea, yeah, get stripped away so that it can be labeled and you know stuck in. And that's what I did with mindfulness before I understood it. Mm. I did. I didn't mm. understand it. Uh, and I didn't want to understand it because yeah. I thought so it was just in the this, yeah. Yeah, this rule, set of rules mm. that's going to make me feel bad about the way I was living. Really interesting to see how that's happening. I don't want that to happen to mindfulness because it is incredibly valuable. It's Call it whatever you it's want. It's too important. It is. Yeah. Like everything comes from paying attention. Everything. The way you eat, the way you live in the world, the way you treat people, you're views on the political situations at the moment, like all of those things come from paying attention. They're going to look different for everyone, but they come from paying attention. And I don't care if you call it mindfulness or not, but paying attention, being present is so vital that I don't want to see it get rubbished. Hmm. It really makes very, me sad. very passionate about this. I am. So what, what advice do you have now for people that – are in search of all that to firstly recognize mindlessness mm. over mindfulness. What's the sort of takeaway? Well, I think just take some time to study how you spend your day, your days, your weeks, and how much of it is spent in the present, how much of it is spent in the past, worrying about things that have already happened, reliving past issues, failures, whatever's. And how much of it is spent in the future, worrying about things that we can't necessarily control. And mm -hmm. we certainly can't. Worrying about them in the mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. is not going to change them in the future. Really weigh up how much of your time is actually spent in the present. And that will give you a, a gut check, just a really quick and dirty gut check of how mindfully you are or aren't living. And then start to think about some very simple ways of bringing attention back. Set an alarm for two times during the day and when that alarm goes off, I mean, be wise about when you set it for, you want to be able to sit for one minute and just for the first alarm, 
take some really deep, slow breaths and just focus on your breath. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. There's no chanting. There's no apps. There's no coloring. There's no anything involved other than breathing Mm -hmm. and paying attention to your breathing. And the other time you set the alarm, do a body scan. So take the time to sit still, close your eyes and slowly track through each of your senses, asking yourself, what can I see right now? Maybe pay attention to something you haven't noticed before, the way the light hits the floor, the dust motes, you know, the pattern on the carpet, whatever it might be. That's mindfulness. It's that simple. And do the same thing for your sense of smell and touch and taste and what can you hear and slowly track through those. And you've just given yourself this incredible gift of white space or mindfulness. Uh, my friend Belle Masterman, who's been on the show, friend of the show, Bill Masterman, <laughs> talks about this idea of your mind being a sponge. And over, you know, sponges are full of those little holes that are really good at soaking up excess mm. moisture. Mm. And during the day, your mind and all of its little holes soak up information and emotions and feelings and you know long lost thoughts and dreams and all of these things that start to fill all those little holes so that it gets so full and heavy that it can't take anymore Mm. and it's sluggish and it's soppy Mm. mindfulness these tiny moments just give that that sponge a squeeze yeah and let some of it out and it releases the pressure and then your, your sponge your mind is ready to to start moving through the day again it doesn't like change your life magically but it gives you this buffer, this margin, this ability to just slow down and pay attention. And it took me months to realize that me studying the flowers outside when I was hanging out the clothes was having an impact on the way I lived, on the way I parented, on the kind of partner I was, on the way I was working. Or It took me months mm. to even recognize that it was having an impact. Agreed. So... I'm obviously quite passionate about mm. living mindfully and paying attention and I don't want to see it turned into a, a dirty trend buzzword. And I love that that's what you're saying is the, the main premise of, of the slow book. It is. Live there life is... simply and it's all about just being mindful. Exactly. The book does not have a set of rules as to what slow living looks like. I don't talk about it, mm. what it looks like, because it doesn't look like anything. There's no umbrella of what slow living looks like. Pay attention, be intentional, and you've got to figure out what that actually looks like for you. So, yeah. Anyway, thank you for joining us for the last few Mondays where we've spoken about the book. If you want, if you haven't grabbed a copy, if you would like to pre-order copies, head over to slowyourhome.com slash books and you'll find all of the links there, including to the Audible offering now. And in the meantime, I hope you have a uh, tremendously lovely week. I doff my cap. Oh, thank you. To you. Thank you very much for taking us through that. And yeah, have a great week, everyone. Mm -hmm. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. 
<laughs> um, and my name is. 